Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, with your hosts, Joe Whalen and Rick Stevens. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection Podcast on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour. This is episode 118 of the Canadians Connection Podcast, and I'm pleased to be joined in studio, as always, by my co-host, the editor-in-chief, the founder, the president of Rocket Sports Media, Mr. Rick Stevens. Rick, how are you doing today? I'm excited. Yeah. Excited is the word. Very excited. We're we're on yeah. the we're on the eve of a new season. The 2020 2021 uh NHL season and um that where where are you going to be on Wednesday, January 13th at 7 p.m. Eastern 8:30 Newfoundland time. Did I get that right? Yep, you got that absolutely right and you know where I'm going to be. I'm going to be watching NHL hockey if all goes well. Uh, we got some news later on, that, but it should be fine. It should be fine. It but should be fine. Cross it, your fingers. Be fine. But we will have hockey to talk about very, very soon. And we actually have hockey to talk about today, but we'll have actual games to talk about next week, uh, next week's show. But we've got so much to get to today. But Rick, I join you in that excitement because, I mean, the, the, for a while there was nothing to talk about in terms of, of actual hockey but this week we had the world juniors wrapping up we had camp opening up for the montreal canadians and and the other hl teams that were involved in the bubbles in toronto and Edmonton, uh joining the seven other teams that had previously opened up their camps i mean there's just so much to to so much to talk about and it's a very exciting time of the year right now and you know you can only hope that some of the news items that we're going to be getting to a little bit later on show don't hang over like a dark cloud but i mean we're we're days away from seeing nhl hockey actually and that's a very exciting product <laughs> we, we didn't quite know how this was going to play out uh yeah. starting a little late and uh it's going to go a little longer um but uh 56 game season will start uh, for the Montreal Canadiens this Wednesday as they face uh, their uh, their old foe, the Toronto Maple Leafs, and, yep. it, and in Toronto, and it should be uh, a great way to start the season, starting the season uh, with a bit of a road trip um, that some of the Canadiens uh, uh, players talked about uh, starting on the road. They see it as a good thing, but we're going to get to that a little bit later in our They Said What segment. Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's starting off with, uh, uh, and I had my big bold predictions last week, starting off with that mm. rivalry game against the Toronto Maple Leafs. It didn't get any better than that. Uh, so we'll be uh, very, uh, very excited 
to check that out. But Rick, as I said, we do have a lot to get to today, including the Said What segment uh, that you uh, just alluded to. But before we get there, Rick, uh, we will start with the news that Canadians prospect Jesse Yelonen uh, will be making his way to Montreal soon. He will be. And, um, you know, when we look through the training camp roster, let's remind everybody that that because of the NHL rules, the uh, the rosters were slimmed down this year. Uh, just 36 mm-hmm. skaters uh, allowed uh, for the Canadians. That meant 24 forwards and 12 defensemen. Um, guys like Josh Brook uh, still training at home. Uh, Jesse Alonen, um, he was, uh, he's been playing in the Finnish elite league with the Pelicans. Um, but the Canadians, uh, gave him the go ahead, uh, to make his way to Montreal and, um, should be starting the season, uh, with, uh, the Laval Rocket, uh, the AHL set to start their season on February, uh, 5th. So, uh, once the Canadians camps over, th- over then, um, um, Yelonen and, uh, many of the folks in group B, and we'll tell you the difference between group A and group B, uh, yes. will, uh, the group B folks will be, uh, starting the, uh, Laval rocket camp very, very soon. Yes. And, uh, yes, Yelonen, I think is, is someone we're both very high on and it's going to be very interesting to see how he performs with the Laval rocket once he arrives, uh, and yeah, just to uh, monitor the way that he performs uh, as he makes that sort of that transition to the uh, North American game, it'll be very interesting to watch. Um, but Rick, speaking of uh, making the transition to the North American game, it's a battle between two old foes in the Junior Hockey Championships gold medal game, uh, Canada, USA. It doesn't get any better than that. And Rick, I think it was a disappointing result for Canadian fans, uh, Canadian hockey fans, who uh, did not have a goal to celebrate uh, on, was it Tuesday night, gold medal game, Tuesday night? Seems uh, like a month night. ago. It's, it seems <laughs> so long ago. I just had to, I had to, to, to second myself there. But Spencer Knight shut out the Americans who played a phenomenal game just a phenomenal game. They, uh, they really just limited Canada, gave them no, no room to breathe at all. And uh, boy, oh boy, I think it was it was a clinic that they put on in, in that gold medal game. I have to say, I was inc- I was very impressed uh, with what they brought to the table. But Rick, what were your impressions of the gold medal game? Um, what were your impressions, I, I guess, of, of the tournament as a whole, the Canadians' prospects and how they performed? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, um, what can you say about Team Canada? Coming in, they they uh, had not trailed uh, in the tournament. They had not allowed an even-strength goal. Um, they they had been dominant up to that point. Um, yeah. Goals were 41 to 4, something like in uh, yeah. that. Um, the, uh, the, what the American, the, the Americans won in the only way they could have won. They didn't have the lineup to match, uh, Canada. Uh, so scoring first was important and then basically hanging on and, and, uh, and scoring first allowed them. And it was a, it was an innocent kind of play. Great deflection, uh, out yeah. front. Um, uh, Devin Levi had tired Canadian legs. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that's right. It was, uh, it was the end of a shift. Um, and, and after that, uh, the Americans just, uh, took away the middle of the ice. They clogged up, 
uh, all of those shooting zones. Now, having say, said that, um, I thought it, it, as it turned out, you know, there was there was ebbs and flows in the first, and it, it was probably an evenly played match uh, in the first period. Um, Canada played uh, U.S. by a wide margin in the second period, and Canada completely dominated the third period. I think the shots in the third were fifteen to one. The last, yeah, the last forty minutes shots were twenty-five to eight for Canada. So the U.S. hung on and and um, and 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 played played in the shell, uh, but took away those mm-hmm. good scoring. Uh, areas and um it was that you know I, I i don't think it was that first goal that that really was the problem it was that second goal early in the third period well, yeah uh that really rattled canada there for a minute um because that was an awkward kind of play two defensemen on one side devin levi went the wrong way and and zegris tucked it in um yeah. and zegris was tremendous in in the tournament oh um yeah. So it was tough. It was it was it was tough. I think you know uh, you you read the quotes afterwards. Um, Boehm Byron said uh, there were a lot of good teams in the tournament. They're one of them. Um, we made the best push we could in the third. We had a lot of chances. It just didn't go in, and and that's fair. Uh, the yeah, Canadians posts. Yeah. three posts in the second period. Yeah. There was a stick that ended up in the net in the third, but not yeah. the puck. <laughs> um, so uh, and uh, Dylan Cousins, he was tremendous. He said uh, yeah. going into the third, we had to believe we were going to tie the game. We had our looks. Knight played great, Spencer Knight, uh, as you talked about, but we didn't get the bounces and. Um, Andre Torney said, uh, you know, after we adjusted, we're really good, but no one will remember that. <laughs> well, okay, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll, rem- we'll remember that yeah. that they played well, <laughs> uh, but they just, uh, they didn't finish, and, and uh, the result is a silver medal for Canada. Yeah, and, and early in the day, uh, I sent a message to one of my friends, and, and, I, I, and I, I will send you this just to, uh, to give you the idea that this is a true story. I, early in the day, when a lot of people, and Brendan Gallagher touched on this, how American teammates didn't seem very confident, it seemed like a lot of people thought that Canada was going to walk away with the gold medal. That that was the the prediction, yeah. that was the projection that people were going with. I didn't feel that way. I, I felt that America, going into that game, I had a feeling that they were going to eke out a win in some way. I didn't know if it was going to be tight. I didn't know what it was going to look like. I just had a feeling because USA just... They beat Canada in gold medal games. That's what they do. When they well, get there, they beat Canada in gold medal games. It's recent history. And I looked at the at the roster construction. By the way, I think regardless of who won that game, the real winners in this are the Florida Panthers, who have Spencer Knight, who had a 34-save shutout, and Devin Levi, who broke the save percentage record, was the top goaltender of the tournament as a seventh-round draft pick. Yeah. There was not, and listen, we, we've seen goaltend Justin Pogge, let him be the the guy that, that says, you know what, the World Juniors is a great barometer for where someone is, but it doesn't ultimately mean that he's going to be a great NH goaltender. But there's a lot to like about Devin Levi. There was not a moment in this tournament that seemed too much for Devin Levi, that he seemed overwhelmed at all. He seemed to be the same steady presence throughout. And I think that the Florida Panthers 
my God, the, the, <laughs> that they go forward having just signed Sergei Bobrovsky to that mammoth contract and then have Spencer Knight and Devin Levi in the system behind the, behind him. Um, that was that was my takeaway from the evening. Uh, but beyond that, yeah, I, I think you're right when you when you point out that yeah, Canada definitely did on after a bit of a rocky start where it seemed like they needed to find their legs early. But USA, um, they they got their goals, they got what they needed, they got their report. And Canada, yeah, I, they didn't get the bounces. That is a, that is a, a very valid point. There were the posts. There was that stick in the net that that I was I could not believe how a stick would end up. <laughs> but not the puck, but, but anyways, I digress, but in all of Rick, so we touched on Devin Levi as being a standout. You said Dylan Cousins was amazing. Trevor was fantastic. I mean, there were a lot of guys in that gold medal game. Um, I, I found it. Matthew Bowl was everywhere. Yeah. Every time he yeah. was on the ice, he was on the puck. If he didn't have the puck, he was shadowing the guy that did. And, and it was, it was that type of relentlessness that I thought really did, um, did you lot of favors in this game boldy but beyond that Rick boldy D was, was boldy yeah, was really any, good yeah. uh alex turcott played with an edge yeah uh farinacci um yeah. perhaps a bit of a coming out uh turned some heads kaliev uh is going to score a lot of goals um there's there's a lot to like on that uh on that you and cam york was was tremendous on the oh, back yeah. end um yeah lots to like on that u.s roster Absolutely. So, Rick, we touched the tournament standout here. Let's shift gears to Canadian prospects um, because we saw Cole Cobb win a gold medal, Caden Gooley win that silver, and, and Ian Mishak. Uh, he went out with the Czechs in the quarterfinals, um, but they gave Canada a really good test in that quarterfinal matchup. I will say the Czech, Republic's, uh, Czech Republic played them um tighter than any other team other than well it was it was a two nothing uh, defeat for the republic so they played them pretty tight in that quarterfinal against canada but yamishak was one of the top three players for the Czech republic uh which was a was a nice nod for him obviously was the captain in that team as for caden gooley i think we both saw last we said last week and pretty much as advertised in this tournament i didn't think um, there was there was some solid defensive. There was a really nice defensive play in the semifinal against Russia that he made, mm-hmm. uh, break up what would be a, a pretty nice scoring opportunity. You know, he he did a lot of nice things. I think one guy that we we're gonna have to devote some time to here, given that he won a medal, is Cole Caulfield, and he had five points in seven games. He was a minus one in the tournament, um, but Rick. After last year, of course, it was all these the people that were saying, "Well, you know what? He's a bust. He's he performed well." And we talked about that last week with with Colco coming back with a fire in his belly, but he, he didn't really um, he, he didn't really press that much. Um, obviously, gold medal, you can't question it. But you know, it's I don't know how much he really can fit to that. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. Um, he, he yeah. by all measures, he had a disappointing tournament. Cole Caulfield had a disappointing tournament last uh, last World Juniors, um, and he came in with uh, you know a burn his saddle, something to prove. Said he was going to dominate this um, this tournament, and really didn't live up to expectations. Um, now for the second year in a row. 
uh, played with very good players on that second line, um, the second most utilized forward on on Team USA. And and you mentioned the the um, uh, the plus minus uh, him being at a minus one. Now you know sometimes we we turn our nose at plus minus, but when you look at it in context, yeah, uh, in that. Cole Caulfield was the only um, minus player, minus forward uh, on Team USA. That says something. And, you know, his goals, yeah. uh, both were power play goals. One was on a five on three. Uh, took a lot of shots, but his shooting percentage, just over 8%. Um, he just wasn't the Cole Caulfield that uh, was advertised. And, um, you know, even uh, the interesting thing I thought is when he was interviewed, um, He's back in Wisconsin, and he was interviewed and asked this 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 week about, you know, was he disappointed? If you've if you've interviewed Cole Caulfield or if you've um, listened to uh, several interviews, you notice the common thread is Cole Caulfield likes to talk about Cole Caulfield, um, and he wasn't. He was talking about the team. He was talking about Team USA. Yeah. Uh, and he said, um, you know, his stats are the least of his worries. Uh, that um, I haven't got my head out of the clouds yet. There's no better feeling. I won World Juniors with several good friends. Um, and he went on to say, um, you can't really complain when you win the gold medal. We always focus on the numbers. Yes, he focuses on the numbers a lot. But at the <laughs> moment, it's the least of my worries. We've just won gold. Now, that's a bit of a departure for uh, for Cole Caulfield. He said, we, we beat one of the best teams in Canadian history at the World Juniors. It's a good feeling. So all of that is is different, and you have to think that it's on his mind. Of course, he wouldn't say that. Um, is it is it um, you know a prediction of, of how things are going to turn out? No. Is it of some concern? Yeah, I think it is. I, I think it, it should yeah. be... It should be... Um, uh, well, just to take note of that that there's there's two tournaments now, best on best, uh, that he hasn't performed his best uh, when he's had the opportunity to do so, and um, and 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 that if if you want a um, a forward to come in and uh, score power play goals and someone with a, a you know a, a NHL caliber shot, uh, accurate and hard and wicked release. It's Cole Caulfield, but you know that at the NHL level, that uh, particularly under Claude Julien, um, more is going to be demanded of him, and he's not quite there yeah. just yet. Lots of time, lots of time to develop, but he's not there yet. And we're going to have an interesting thought exercise in just a couple of moments from now. But Rick, before we get there, uh, there was also the detail about Team USA uh, celebrating with a Team Canada labeled garbage can um just for the benefit just to just to play devil's advocate here for a second nate lehman the coach said just to be transparent this is in a tweet from the coach himself nate lehman just to be transparent it was a barrel on the ice with our team after the game it was motivation for our team to take the tournament one game at a time i'm sure every team had something of motivation the barrel was ours no disrespect to canada who is a great team. And then uh, Chris Peters uh, at Chris M. Peters followed that up, that this is something to do with uh, Ron Ralston, who brought it to the team in 2007. It was about crossing the heart of the Sahara Desert. And the only way people could figure out how to cross the desert 
was to put barrels out. And he shared the story, uh, this being Nate Lehman, with the guys. Um, so that's all very well and good. Uh, but, yeah, the optics of it were not great at the time. Uh, and why was it necessary to have it in the photo with you on the ice in front of everyone to see and come to the same conclusion that it was a garbage can, not a barrel? <laughs> and it was, it was Spencer Knight that went in and dragged it out onto the ice uh, yeah. for the photo, uh, which was un- unfortunate. It was a garbage can. It had yeah. the Canadian uh, Team Canada <laughs> logo on it. Um, let me ask you a question. Um, everything that was okay to be done in 2007, is it still okay to be done in 2020, 2021 now? No, no, it's not. Things have changed. Optics have changed. Uh, and, and yes, uh, Nate Lehman, uh, he's done this, uh, one of his players pointing out it's a tactic that he's used many, many times over the years. It's time to retire that. And it's, yeah. and it would have been better if you retired it with an apology. Uh, Team Canada was owed an apology. Nate Lehman didn't have the class to do that. I, I'm not surprised Nate Lehman was less in class, classy throughout the tournament. Uh, had, didn't have a good feeling about him. Andre Tourney is a terrific coach and has a future in yeah. the NHL. I don't see the same for Nate Lehman. Um, no, no, uh, bitter grape, uh, bitter grapes there or anything. It's, it's just, um, I, I thought that was a classless move. Um, yeah. and, and, um, and really, uh, this is hopefully the last time we have to, to hear something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It just, Look, if, if that's going to be what your motivation is, there's no reason to share it in the picture of you no. with the trophy and the gold medals. Listen, you can keep that in your locker room and say, yeah, that's, that's our last barrel, whatever you want to say. Bringing it out is bringing people to the, the – it's, it's bringing this to yourself. It's bringing it on yourself, this unnecessary controversy if it's that – if it's supposed to be innocent – but it doesn't appear that way. It's a garbage can. It is, as, as you pointed out. So let's imagine yeah. for just a second. Oh, <laughs> there, there's no pandemic, and Rogers, <laughs> that that the arena is full of oh, Canadian gosh. fans. What would have happened? I mean, uh, seriously, yeah. uh, it was that could have been a dangerous situation. Yeah. <laughs> um, as just uh, it was. Bad thinking all the way around. Yeah, I, yeah, not a, not a great look for uh, Nate Lehman. But uh, Rick, we'll move to that thought exercise that I was talking about, and it was something that you posted in the Slack group last night, um, asking, "Would Cole Caulfield have a spot on that Canadian team that we just saw? One of the probably what that will go down. Unfortunately, though, they did not win the gold medal." but will still probably go down as one of the greatest Canadian teams top to bottom. And thinking about the fact they could have had Kirby Doc, who got injured in that pre-tournament game, and Alexi Lafreniere. I mean, you're looking at a a team, with even without those two guys, that produced at a level that that very few Canadian teams have, and they were very well coached with Andre Turigny. The question is, would Cole Caulfield be able to take away a spot from one of those Canadian forwards if he were Canadian. Now, it's funny because um, this this came to me. Um, Slava Fetisov, uh, mm-hmm. yeah. we, <laughs> we saw what, what happened. And, and Slava Fetisov, oh great NHLer, and he now is the, the deputy director of the Rus- Russian Hockey Federation. And after Canada eliminated uh, the Russians... 
uh, Fatisov said not a single player on the Russian team would have made Team Canada. Um, yeah. And, and, and he talked about being embarrassed watching the game, and, and he went on a little bit further. And, and many took those remarks as, as kind of um, uh, throwing the players under the bus. And so I, I didn't take them that way. I, I more, more so um, he was speaking negatively about the Russian program and how changes mm-hmm. have to be made uh, of developing their own talent. And that's okay because he's in that position to 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 make that happen. Yeah. Um, but it 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 led me to think: um, what about Cole, Cole, if if none of the Russians could have made it? Uh, could Cole Caulfield have made uh, the the uh, Team Canada roster? And so I asked. I asked family. I asked uh, people on on social media. I asked uh, uh, some hockey people. And as you said, I posted it in in yeah. uh, our Rocket Sports team uh, Slack group, uh, just asking the questions. And and so uh, you know, instead of of Cole Caulfield growing up in in Stevens Point, Wisconsin, let's imagine that he was born in North Battleford, Saskatchewan. And, yeah. Uh, we wind the clock back a few weeks to December. Uh, I think it was December 11th uh, when yeah. Team Canada made its final cuts uh, and announced the 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 final roster for the 2021 World Junior Championship. And and you know as you said there was there was Canadians who um, who may have been on you know, Kirby Doc because of the injury Lafreniere yeah. the Rangers wouldn't let him go Owen Power Michigan wouldn't yeah. wouldn't give him up Shane Wright the young phenom. Um, mm-hmm. There, there was, there was other other players that that could have been Seth Jarvis, um, Maverick yeah. Bork, um, Samuel Poulin. There, there's lots. Now, what about Cole Caulfield? Would he have made uh, that roster? And um, I appreciate both both you and um, and Mike Rashel uh, responded to this, and I'll I'll let you say yeah. what you. But I'll say the common thread between all the responses that I got was kind of when I asked the question, um, particularly when I asked it, um, in person, it was, yeah. Um, wait, uh, because it's initially yes. And then, and then once you think about it, yeah. it was like, wait, and then you ask the question, okay, if mm-hmm. Cole Caulfield makes the roster, who gets replaced? And then, then that thought, uh, exercise becomes a lot more difficult. Yeah, it did. And, and, I said yes. I, it'd be tight, but I, I said yes. Um, and then when you asked the follow-up question, okay, if he's on the team, who isn't? And that became a lot more of a difficult question to answer. The only thing that I could make the argument for, uh, I said Connor Zary as well as Jack Quinn. I thought Connor Zary had a really good tournament. I think that he was a sort of a of a, of a jack of all trades type player that, that Turney was plugging in and, and playing alongside guys and, and playing in positions up and down the lineup. So perhaps not him. The only one that I could think is Jack Quinn being that Cole Caulfield is a year older. He's somebody that has the sort of same reputation as Jack Quinn, obviously a little bit, a much more diminutive frame. Uh, but the Canadians didn't really, the, the Canadian team didn't have a right shot or at least they didn't feature one. Uh, prominently on the power play, Cole Caulfield might have been able to fill that, but that in and of itself, I think, is it's a it's a bit of a I don't know if it's an argument that wins. I don't I really don't because it, Cole Caulfield doesn't do enough things 
any other areas of the of the ice that that Jack Quinn. You can say what you want. I know that some Buffalo Sabres fans a little bit mixed on what they saw of Jack Quinn, but he's got that big body. He's got that frame that he can battle along the boards. So you're not getting that with Cole Caulfield, right? So it's it's a tough question. It's a really tough question. I think yes, but it it's tight. It's really tight. Yeah, and and um, you know you think you said Connor Zary had a good tournament. He had a good pre-tournament. Um, yeah. That that line, it was it was Zary, Doc, and Tomasino. They were dominant in that second uh, intra-squad game, uh, and there was a lot of buzz about Connor Zary uh, in in the pre-tournament. Uh, also, Jacob Pelche, and and because yep. he might have been another one, but he had a very good tournament. Um, so it it's um, you know, would he have made the team? Yes, probably. Um, but then you think about, you know, uh, even on team, uh, the U S team, uh, his ice team, his ice time, even though it was, he was the second most utilized forward, it was, it started to come down. He played yeah. on the second line, but his ice time started to come down and would, um, Cole Caulfield have been a healthy scratch for Andre Tournier? I, I you know, that's a question too. Um, I think that that uh, and 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 this this exercise is not to disparage uh, Cole Caulfield. It's to kind of uh, level the f- uh, the field and 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 just um, have Canadians fans look outside for a moment. Bring yeah. Cole Caulfield into context with other really good uh, prospects around the league, as we we say all the time. Montreal Canadiens are not the only ones with prospects. Um, yeah. You know, there there's some really good talent out there, and we saw it best on best. Uh, did Cole Caulfield dominate? No, he didn't. Uh, would he have been a question mark had he been on Canada? Maybe. Yeah. Um, that's just to that's just to bring expectations down, and and kind of provide this context that I think is. And and I understand when when fans are are thinking about uh, having that shot in in a Canadian's lineup, they're not thinking about context. They're not thinking about nah. other things. Uh, and I get that, but but it's our job to kind of manage those expectations. I think a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And you know, it, it's important to do that so that when guys show up, you aren't disappointed with That's what you right. see right off the bat. And the thing about that is is. The Montreal Canadiens, if we shift gears to the training camp, they have not been doing that with Alexander Romanov at all. <laughs> <laughs> so it might be a little bit more difficult to do that with Alexander Romanov because the hype just keeps on coming from the Montreal Canadiens. But yes, we will shift gears to the training camp, which opened up earlier this week. And Rick, we finally got our first look at this new Montreal Canadiens roster. Um, as we have talked about in recent weeks, there is more hype more optimism about this Canadian roster than any of the past three or four years. This is a very interesting team. Of course, with the Canadian division, the North division, there's a lot of of hype about that in and of itself beyond getting into the fact that Montreal Canadiens performed so well in the bubble and have made big additions. Uh, Rick, we'll start with the lines that we saw in the defense pairings because we know that when we... We're talking in the offseason, uh, and we, we had Claude Julien, uh, that they said what with Claude Julien, and he had the roster, the penciled-in roster right in front of him. Uh-huh. Uh, what was he looking at? We might have got an idea um, the first day of training camp. <laughs> I don't think it's changed from that, that no. day much, much. Now, there's been some, 
yeah, there's been some magicians. Harry in on the yeah, yeah. underneath. <laughs> but um, the lines, other than the first day when when uh, Corey Perry was observing the the quarantine period. The lines haven't changed at all um, in each day of, of training camp. Uh, Claude Julien has gone back with his usual first line, the one he feels comfortable with, the one he trusts. That's Deneau, Center, and Gallagher and Tatar. Um, the, the, the electrifying line, let's say, um, that's <laughs> Suzuki uh, centering the second line. Uh, Jonathan Drouin, we, we noted a a little bit of chemistry starting in in the in the uh, return to play, and uh, Suzuki has a new big, quick uh, winger in Josh Anderson, who also has a pretty good shot. Yeah, um, um he is centering the third line uh, with uh, fellow Finn Armia, and on the left side, uh, new sniper Tyler Toffoli, and it's we have two fourth lines. And this is going to be interesting to see how it turns out. It's going to be interesting to see who uh, they they keep for opening night on Wednesday and, and who gets sent to the taxi squad. We have Evans and Paling uh, both centering what could be a, a fourth line. And I should say Ryan Paling's had a really good camp. He has. Um, Evans has uh, Byron on the left, uh, Lekkonen on the right, Paling has Frolik, uh, and Perry, the two uh, free agent signings. Uh, uh, flanking him, um, so th- there's there's there are some choices to be made uh, yet, but I think those those uh, the top nine is pretty well set uh, going into Wednesday. Yeah, and we talked about this. There was the question that was posed a few months back about uh, what you would do with Philip Deneau coming out of the bubble. We know we remember the comments that he made after he was not happy to be playing with Arturi Lekin and Philip and. Uh, Paul Byron, excuse me. Um, He wanted to be playing with Tomas Tatar and and Brendan Gallagher on that first line. And I wondered if this was the direction that they were going to go, given that it's a shortened season. And knowing Claude Julien, is the familiarity there? Is that that of the utmost importance to Claude Julien? And I think that it, it might be. I think it is. And I think the idea that that familiarity is going to help the Montreal Canadiens as the season goes. And now that you have a Josh Anderson on the second line and a Tyler Toffoli on the third line, you have enough offense down the lineup to supplement that first line when the, when the cold spurts happen, because we know that even though that line has been effective, it's run hot and cold and there hasn't been that secondary scoring to back it up. So now that you have it, I think that you might be in a bit of a better position, albeit it's it's still a little bit, as we discussed, you know, it would be a very, you know, the changing of the guard would be very much uh, at the forefront if you had Suzuki or Kotkaniemi up in that up in that spot. But, of, of course, they, they go the opposite direction. They go with Philip Deneau with what they know, and, and I think that that's, um, that's something that I had sort of anticipated. Um, but, yeah, it's I- – it's, yeah. I agree completely, and and uh, it's 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 what we expected from Claude Julien. If the Canadians end up with these lines at the end of of uh, the fifty six games, I think there will be an opportunity lost. Uh, the season is going to hinge on the success of Suzuki yeah. and and Kotkaniemi. Uh, but what a nice luxury for Claude Julien to have that when uh, Jonathan Duran goes into a, a slump, he's got a Tyler Toffoli to plug in there. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, the same the same goes for 
Uh, Brendan Gallagher, if he gets banged up, you have uh, a guy like uh, Josh Anderson too, uh, who who's uh, also willing to go to the front of the net. Or what about a Corey Perry who's willing to yeah. go to the front of the net? <laughs> um, it, it's 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 uh, more weapons, more uh, uh, people that can, and it's not it's not as if you're plugging in. Uh, a Paul Byron, uh, you're mm-hmm. plugging in a, a player who uh, who could very well belong in in that top six, and and uh, I, I, it's a it's a good problem for the coaching staff to have. Um, yeah, and that's before we get to the the defensive side. Yeah, exactly, and and we we sort of knew what that was going to look like as well, with the expectation that it was going to be Ben Sherratt partnering up with Shea Weber and Joel Edmondson, as he talked about in the off season. Um, there were indications to him that he would be playing with Jeff Petrie. That has come to pass. And Alexander Romanov's the very curious case because not on the left side on that on that third pair, but seeing some time on the right with Brett Kulak. Yeah, that's uh, it. It it speaks, um, uh, I think, to the impression that Brett Kulak made uh, yeah. in the in the playoffs. Um, so he's getting the nod over, let's say, uh, Victor Meta, who could play on the right with. Uh, uh, Romanoff on his more natural left. Um, that's that that's interesting and deserves uh, some attention. Uh, but uh, there's been no um, reduction in the amount of uh, praise that uh, Alexander Romanoff has been getting. And um, I think it was Josh Anderson that said uh, this kid um, practices like most of us play. He hits. He's just as yeah. physical. And uh, you got to keep your head on a swivel when when Romanov's on the ice. Yeah, I mean that's. Um, I mean, obviously, you don't want anything uh, <laughs> anything to happen, any injuries or anything like that. But hey, you love that type of intensity, and of course, you want to see that out of a rookie heading into you know his first NHL season. Not afraid to mix it up with some of his veteran teammates uh, a little bit. You know, play a little bit angry out there. So that's that's not a terrible thing. Uh, but Rick, I think. More than anything else, so we would talk about where these guys are playing, where Josh Anderson's playing, where Tyler Toffoli's playing. What does it all mean for the power play, which has been a uh, <laughs> has not been a pleasant thing for the Montreal Canadiens over the past few years? They have not had a very good power play. They've not had the sort of weapons that you would like them to have and the options where they can go in different directions that's really the optimism the source of optimism that i have about this year's power play is not so much that i think they're going to have a good power play they have more options available to them so that if one unit just doesn't gain any traction at all you can go to something else and you have a guy out there that is capable of being on an nhl power play unit the interesting thing is there's been such a reluctance in the past to put uh, Weber and Petrie together on the power yes. play. And that's caused Weber to play perhaps a little bit more cautious than than he might. And you know that that he likes to hover around the blue line um, just in case there's a turnover, whereas the coaching staff have been trying to encourage him to get in near the circle uh, to unleash that shot. Uh, but now with Petrie there... Uh, there's there's that safety valve, so maybe mm-hmm. Weber will will uh, be um, encouraged more and and feel comfortable to to rotate in uh, towards the circle. Um, you have uh, Tyler Toffoli on the first uh, playing on the third line, but on the first uh, power play wave, uh, that's a and and playing that slot 
um, yeah. place uh, uh, where where position where where he can uh, be very effective. And we saw last year, even in the the two teams that he played for, half of his goals were on the power play. Yeah. Um, uh, Nick Suzuki on the wall. Uh, the 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 concern for me is Jonathan Duran down low. Now that means Jonathan Duran is going to have to dig the puck. It means Jonathan Duran is going to have to screen in front. Mm-hmm. Those don't seem to be natural um, kind of things that Jonathan Duran yeah. likes doing. Um, so that that expects some change there. As far as the second yeah. unit. Uh, the second unit, um, you know, the Canadians' first unit wasn't that good, uh, which meant the second unit wasn't was even worse. But you, when you have, uh, when you can roll out Josh Anderson and um, uh, Brendan Gallagher on the second unit, that's all of a sudden now you got uh, more balance, uh, yeah. and and that second unit becomes much more of a threat. So it would be. Uh, Anderson, maybe uh, Perry. Perry and Anderson have been uh, switching off in that down low screening position. Uh, you have Tatar, Gallagher, um, and Kotkaniemi uh, on the wall, and uh, and on the point, just one defenseman, and uh, the rotation has been between Romanov and and Victor Mete. Uh, mm-hmm. And and Romanov might be a surprise there that a rookie is getting that kind of responsibility, but. Uh, many of the players have talked about his shot, and I think that's what Claude Julian would like uh, to deploy on the uh, on the second unit. And and you know I've been somebody that has advocated that Victor Mete get an opportunity on the power play just because he's a puck mover that can put the puck in a spot for a, a shooter, and obviously he's got some good foot speed. But of course, when he's out on the power play. There's no shot that that team has to respect. So he's not much of a dual threat at all. Everyone knows that he's going to pass to somebody. So with Romanov, if he can if he can shoot the puck, as, as everyone is saying that he can, then I think that, yeah, you do have a much better option there, uh, even though he is just a rookie. Um, but, Rick, with all of this, there's always a lot of hype around the first red versus white scrimmage. Uh, even more so this year, given all of these additions that we're been, we've been speaking about, uh, given obviously the optimism that exists after that bubble uh, experience. But yeah, uh, Rick, I think some really good first impressions in that scrimmage game, and and a couple of goals for a, for a young centerman that uh, there's a lot of hype uh, around. Of course, with Jesperi Kotkaniemi picking up a couple. Well, it was interesting uh, that it was interesting that the. The design, um, you basically, uh, Claude Julien basically put out uh, his NHL lines against his AHL lines plus Carey Price. Yes. Um, that's that's basically how it happened. Yeah. Uh, the interesting part for me is um, the folks on the AHL side that didn't think they should be there. Paul Byron yeah. was was snarly in that, in that uh, red-white scrimmage. And um, he he had a bit of a altercation with Brendan Gallagher. Um, it was uh, Paul Byron wasn't happy at all that he was on the yeah. NHL side. <laughs> um, the goaltending, which we haven't talked about yet, uh, was interesting in and itself. Not only was Carey Price um, helping out the AHL side, um, but we've noticed that in the A group, it's been Price. Jake Allen, no surprises there, and Michael McNiven. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael McNiven, you might expect uh, uh, Charlie Lindgren to be in that third spot, uh, but are they signaling that Michael McNiven will be heading to the 
uh, Taxi Squad, and uh, save the better goalie um, and the mentor uh, for Caden Primo to go down to Laval for those two to to split some uh, starts. That being a Taxi Squad goalie is going to be miserable. Um, and, and they, the, the Canadians have, have, haven't been shy about, uh, about, uh, you know, making Michael McLevin miserable, not saying he was, uh, yeah. but he was bounced around <laughs> to the ECHL a bit last year. So we're going to watch that. Uh, but as far as, you know, um, there were some pretty good performances. Uh, you mentioned Kotkaniemi. Um, I thought, uh, uh, that, that. That Romanov looked pretty good. Uh, he he was was uh, as expected, I guess. The only one that you might have been disappointed about on the uh, NHL side was Joel Edmondson. He he was struggling and it looked uh, like he was having a tough time keeping up with the pace and and whatnot. Uh, whether that's signs of things to come or just adjusting to the system, adjusting to the speed. Um, and, and let's remember he'll have Petrie to help him out, but, um, there may be some opportunities to, you know, um, uh, if, if initially, uh, Edmondson is, uh, is having a hard time with the the transition, moving Brett Kulak back up, uh, with Petrie, uh, that, that, uh, that's easily done. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was, um, uh, and, and Ryan Paling looked, looked, uh, very good in, in, uh, in the 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 whole uh camp but but he looked particularly good in in the scrimmage yeah and i mean that'd be a major development given i mean we saw at the uh in the preseason last year the move that ryan paling put on aaron ekblad if you're getting something close to that guy (laughs) as your fourth line center i mean you're really in business then but uh of course i think that uh, jake evans is also a solid option there as well but regardless there's a lot to be excited about with this particular team and rick we'll shift gears to they said what and we'll start with asking mark bergevin the very simple question are you excited excited i'm excited uh i mean every time you start a new season you're always excited but uh, i've watched a little bit of a skate this morning and i just you know i i i like what we've done uh, again you could put anything on paper and it doesn't matter until you start playing games and, you know, having the results. But uh, just the fact that our players are, are excited, that tells that tells me that, you know, their their mind is at the right place. And uh, also the way that we could play the game, we could, you know, we have a fast team still. We have a bigger team. Uh, we could play pretty much any way you want. We're still going to play our game, but uh, I think we're well equipped now to uh, to play against bigger team that we were in the past. So a bit of an admission that uh, that maybe um, he hadn't uh, provided the the the, the talent uh, that and and we remember that that uh, Claude Julien is always looking for those uh, big players. Um, yeah, <laughs> but uh, that that the Canadians are better equipped uh, against some of the the bigger teams and will be playing um, uh, some bigger teams uh, in in their division uh, this year. So. Um, uh, is he excited? Absolutely. The key there, I think, was that he says that that his players are excited too. They mm-hmm. they seem happy with the changes that he made in the off season. Yeah, that was the uh, overwhelming uh, sort of feeling coming out of this week. Is there's a lot of there's a lot of good vibes in that dressing room right now. That 
you know, it's it's not always been that way. You see Carey Price talking about the way that the defensemen are going to protect that front of the net area with a little smile coming across his face because uh, he's had to do a lot of that protection himself. <laughs> Remember back to Kyle Palmieri. Yep. Uh, <laughs> but uh, moving on, one of the guys that uh, might play a part in being a little bit more tough to play against, Corey Perry and Mark Bergevin here on why he signed Corey Perry. I mean, Corey, obviously, what he did in the playoff and his past track record, not only last year, but his whole career, he's, uh, what made him the player he is, is his is compete level. And uh, as we know, when the playoff starts, it goes to another level. So, obviously, what he did uh, last year in, in with Dallas uh, and also a team we have now, I think, you know, it sends a message to the league and to our own players that, you know, we mean business. Uh, we're here to win, and uh, we could play any way you want to play. So, uh, guys are excited uh, to tell you that right now. That's the, he sent a message by signing Carey uh, Corey Perry, sorry, mm. um, to his own players and to the league. We mean business. Yeah. Uh, that was a, a key quote. Uh, this this was. Uh, Mark Bergevin just before camp started last Sunday uh, with his media conference and and um, and and he re- if, in case anybody hadn't got the message he he reinforced it we mean business yeah. and that's as definitive as as I've ever heard Mark Bergevin regarding the aspirations mm-hmm. regarding the goals of this team he is always sort of beat around the bush oh yeah you know we want to want to get to the playoffs one no. <laughs> he means they mean business this year and that's a, that's refreshing after you know sort of the little bit of the in-between zone you, you found your your feet in two different ponds trying to rebuild and have Carey Price and Shea Weber at the same time they mean business they went out and they brought in guys and we're going to get to some of those guys right now with some quotes from Canadians players during training camp and uh, we'll start with Jake Allen uh, the backup goaltender to Carey Price, um, and he's talking about getting to know his new teammates. You know, I've uh, you know talked with most of the guys. You know, just get to know them a little bit, and obviously talk with Carey probably the most out of anyone, and uh, just a, a little bit to understand him and his personality and uh, the way he is on and off the ice. And it's it's been great so far. You know, he's he's a super nice guy, laid back, works hard on the ice. So it's uh, it's going to be a good match, and you know, it's uh, great to get to know the guys here. And obviously, short camp, so trying to. Uh, understand everyone uh, as quick as possible. And then, uh, you know, it's good to start off the road trip too. I think that'll help us, you know, help me and the new guys bond with, uh, with the, you know, the veteran guys here uh, a little bit easier than uh, being at home at the start. So Jake Allen being one of those players who talks about it being an advantage to being on the road uh, to begin a short training camp. They're able to um, bond, particularly the new guys uh, with the the uh, the existing players uh, uh, when they're on the road, um, it's important for for Jake Allen. Um, he talked about it, uh, getting to know the other players. But that crucial match uh, sounds like it's off to a start, and that's that's his bond with Carey Price. And and why wouldn't he? Uh, you know, Carey Price uh, is is uh, uh, easygoing, laid back, uh, nice guy, as as Jake Allen said. On the ice, all business works hard, um, and uh, and and from all reports, uh, Jake Allen follows that as well. So um, I I, th- I saw that as as very positive. Yeah, it's encouraging. There's no doubt about that. And we remember back to when Jake Allen had his introductory sort of conference 
Paul and uh, talked about that there's similar interests there between Carey Price and Jake Allen, outdoorsy, like country, all that sort of thing. But he also talked about in that coming here, learn from Carey Price. And he touched on that here. Yeah, you know, I'm always trying to learn. There's uh, the games changing, you know, every year, every season. Uh, the way that you know the, the team score and the way the goalies play, and you know, I think I think the biggest thing for me is to be able to learn from Carey's you know tenure here as a Canadian, being one of the best goalies in the league for the t- past 10, 12 years, is is to be able to do that consistently is is a feat that not many guys can pull off, and I I feel that just being able to watch him night in night out, learn little things and little tricks of the trade that he uses. Um, you know, maybe he can learn a couple of things from me. It's every goalie, you can always take someone from something from each goalie. And that's uh, my objective, especially here at the start, just to sort of understand his game and, and why he's so good, successful, and uh, can attribute to my game. That's a very good approach. Uh, learning, uh, going in with a, a, an objective of trying to learn uh, all you can, even though, you know, he's he's been in the league as long as he, he has as, uh, as a 30-year-old. Um, I, 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 I really respect that. And, and maybe one of the things we saw in, in, uh, training camp so far is Jake Allen's willingness to, to go out, uh, from the net and play the puck. And if there's anyone you're going to learn tips from about playing the puck, it's got to be Terry Price. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There's not much better at that. So it's definitely a great environment for him to uh, perhaps hone his craft and uh, playing the puck. Uh, but one thing that Jake Allen is also learning, and there's some Canadians players with some pretty impressive shots. Playing in the West and playing in St. Louis, we never got to play against these guys a lot. And, you know, it, it's it's funny when you practice against different guys, practice a little bit different in the game. But, you know, Kaki Kiemi, I uh, can't pronounce his name yet, but he, his shot is next level. You know, that kid's got an absolute missile of a wrister. Uh, Suzuki can get it off really well. And, and same with Anderson, you know, for such a big man, he can shoot in stride really well, which, you know, it, that's important in this in this game is to be able to shoot in stride, deception, uh, hide the release a little bit. And, um, you know, a lot of guys I'm really impressed with, but those three guys are, are pretty impressive. Hot Kanyemi, and and I should say we're playing three clips from uh, Jay Gallen because he's new, and and we may not hear from him much during the season. So, um, yeah. uh, so uh, it's it's nice to to get him on, and and he has a unique perspective on shooters, and uh, we may have heard before about uh, Suzuki's shot, uh, Josh Anderson. It's good to hear that that uh, his shot which can be uh, difficult for a goaltender when when someone is shooting in stride. But it's Kakanyemi's yeah. shot that we're hearing over and over and over again. Claude Julien mentioned his shot and that he wants him to use it more. Brendan Gallagher uh, and, and Jake Allen here uh, using the term that it's a missile, uh, his wrister, that is. Yeah, I mean, I think what's what's really impressive too is you see some clips as well where some of these shots that Kotkaniemi takes are from a standstill. There's no forward momentum on some of these. It's just from standing and, and shooting sort of a one-time shot and that it's, it's uh, yeah, and, and of course, a bit more of a wrist shot might be more on the move, but yeah, he's got a great shot. It'd be great to see him use, use it more and certainly that might, uh, that opportunity may be afforded if he gets some more power play time. Um, but... We'll move on to Josh Anderson, as you touched on there for a second. Um, it's also important to know how a guy like Chanderson Anderson is fitting in with his new teammates. 
Well, I think you could just see uh, on paper like the the additions that we made and um, or the depth that we have on the Canadians is is so strong. Uh, I mean, I think anywhere anybody can play anywhere on each and every line. So I think that's pretty impressive. And then um, you know, especially their goaltending too. Uh, you know, two great goaltenders. So um, I think that's going to treat me uh, you know great from day one. Uh, they look like they're a, a type group and uh, they were really friendly with me as soon as I got here and um, you know it's just it's just nice to to come in and and feel comfortable right away this is uh, it's 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 interesting because as as uh, Mark Bergevin said uh, earlier um, there's one thing to 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 have a, a, a feeling about the team on paper uh, but there's a whole other situation, um, you know, when 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 you get together and you start having a a, a feeling, and and um, you know, it's it's uh, you start feeling chemistry, you start having some fun, you start scoring goals, that chemistry starts to build, and uh, and you start feeling comfortable in the the lineup. Uh, right away, and and uh, that's yeah. that's what's that's what's pretty impressive. Uh, about this whole thing, um, and it, it's nice to hear. I, uh, we're going to hear Corey Perry next, but uh, I, I think that it's really nice to hear uh, from Josh Anderson that he's fitting in well and is is uh, with all of the changes that are happening. Uh, there's some chemistry already starting to build. Yeah, absolutely. And then I mean, you have Josh Anderson locked in on that seven-year contract, so you hope that things uh, turn out the way that 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 chemistry starts developing uh, sooner rather than later. But yeah, uh, Rick. In addition to that, you got Corey Perry, and we touched on this last week when Corey Perry had his uh, conference call. He's he's coming in to earn a spot. He's he's competing for a roster spot, and he touches on that right here. Yeah, you, you, you want to play every single night. So you have to prove yourself every single day. And, you know, today's another example. You go out, you got to prove yourself. You, you know, we got the day off tomorrow. You come back Saturday, do it all over again. And, and you know, just get better every single day. You know, there's there's a lot of great hockey players on this team and, and there's only so many spots. So, um, you know, it, it's that's a good thing, though. Competition is a good thing. We heard yeah. that from Corey Perry last week, uh, but he's repeating it that uh, – <laughs> Uh, there are a limited number of spots. There are plenty of good players, and you're going to have to you're going to have to earn that spot. Uh, you're going to have to prove yourself every single day. Uh, we heard Claude Julian talk about Corey Perry has that competitive fire that can be contagious, and uh, you see that every every day of training camp, he's he's competing and he wants a spot. Uh, not on the taxi squad, not occasionally. He wants to be in that uh, on that lineup card every single day yeah and it, you, it's hard not to respect what Corey perry is saying here that we've been on this podcast and that we've had these clips of him talking about competing for a roster like we said i mean it, there's guys that that when they sign these types of contracts they type they, they sort of think that they are assured something that something is guaranteed there was none there's none of that he's coming here to earn a spot and he's talked about competing for it and proving himself every day, and that's incredibly admirable for somebody with Corey Perry's tracker. Now, Brendan Gallagher, in a clip that we're about to play, touches on the Corey Perry effect. Everyone knows who Corey Perry is. They know the career he's had, uh, the impact he's had on every single team he's gone into. And you know, when you're going when you're going into a big game, he's the guy. When you're 
you know, look around the locker room beforehand. He's that's a guy that's going to make you feel comfortable because you know how how confident he's going to be in himself and his abilities to to step up at the right time and make uh, you know contribute in an important way. And that's uh, it's hard to to find guys like that. Uh, obviously, someone that's just won as much as he has. He's been around players that have that experience and he has it himself. So he's somebody that uh, I think we can all learn from a bit. And when he steps in the room, he definitely comes with a presence. We can all learn from, but I think in particular, Brendan Gallagher can learn from Corey yeah. Perry um, and the way that that uh, Corey Perry plays in front of the net. And, and uh, Brendan Gallagher talked about picking up little tricks and tips, um, but more so than than how he plays, just that presence, uh, that's that seriousness, that that will, willingness to compete. Um, that's going to that's going to rub off in the locker room and it's going to help support. Uh, the leadership, and we know already that Corey Perry has a bit of a connection uh, from previous tournaments to to uh, Carey Price and and Shea Weber and Brendan Gallagher. Uh, so uh, he's going to yeah. be he's going to be a force in in that locker room. Yeah, and I mean it's it's a good it's a good voice to have, I think, by the sounds of everything that he's saying right now, and a, and a good presence to have in that locker room. So. Yeah, it's, it's going to be great uh, to see where exactly he fits in on the roster. If he is a part of that team, if he does compete and earn that spot, as he's talking about, uh, it'll be interesting to see Corey Perry on the Montreal Canadiens and uh, somebody that is respected in that room. But Gallagher also touched on the development of Yusferi Kotkaniemi. He, you've seen the growth. He's getting better and better, which is, you know, it's really exciting for a group. And that's what he is. He's going to have to, he's going to have to make a lot of plays, but I think most importantly, he's going to have to be prepared to shoot the puck. And he's got such a good shot that uh, maybe at times he could, he could use more. And the more he shoots, the more success we're going to have. So if he can, uh, if he can make teams respect that, I think everything else is just going to come naturally to him and uh, good things are going to happen, but he's definitely a guy that uh, when the puck's on his stick, he can, he can make a play and uh, hopefully it, uh, it ends up in the back of the net. And if he's taking those shots, as everybody is encouraging him to do, uh, I mean, you have Armia uh, on the boards digging the puck. You, if you have Kakinami, uh willingness to shoot, that frees up uh, Tyler Toffoli, who can um, can get open uh, for his shots. So two shooting options on that line uh, can only uh, bring success, and everyone is encouraging uh, Jesperi Kakinami to shoot the puck. Yeah, and uh, if he does, that'll be a, a major, uh, a major breakthrough for the Montreal Canadiens. But uh, we'll move on, Rick. With some quick hockey notes that we wanted to discuss. Uh, so this week, Rick, uh, and even in the past couple of days, this is broken. Um, the Dallas Stars postponed two uh, their first two games of the season as six players and two staff members tested positive for COVID nineteen. You had nineteen Columbus Blue Jackets players who mispracticed in accordance with the NHL COVID-19 protocols. And just before we started reading today, the Pittsburgh Penguins canceled practice and scrimmage. So, Rick, just to sort of get all that together, I mean, it's sort of the, the harsh reality of running a league outside of a bubble in a pandemic world because the NHL and NBA, they were in the bubble. The MLB was the, was the league, what we were talking about in the summer, that they were trying to do things almost you know close to as normally as they could and you saw big outbreaks here is the potential of some outbreaks um obviously we, we don't know all the information regarding pittsburgh or even the columbus blue jackets where it is COVID 19 protocols but sort of vague terms there with the 19 members but 
yeah, or players, excuse me, that miss practice. It, it's it's still a little bit vague in terms of what we're getting, but yeah, it's sort of the the harsh reality. We're going to be seeing positive cases. We're going to be seeing games postponed. Uh, that that was a reality, and and Bill Daly told us that they were building those kinds of contingencies into the schedule. Yeah. We've heard the name. Uh, we've heard the phrase uh, being nimble uh, tossed out. The league must be nimble, and uh, so all of the you know there's there's going to be constant uh, evaluation and reevaluation. We've even seen. Um, you know, some of the teams who had said uh, we might consider having fans, they've they've backtracked on that uh, yes. at this point. So uh, Dallas, start, we, you know, as you said, the Columbus Blue Jackets, 19 players missing uh, from practice. That's that's quite a bit. But um, the Dallas Stars are the first who uh, have confirmed uh, six players and two staff uh, tested positive. And and uh, their season opener is going to be um, moved back. Uh, as a result yeah so it's uh, definitely something to monitor there uh, as we go forward and yeah we know we knew going into this that this was going to happen so it's uh, yeah contingencies built in to the schedule will uh, come in handy um so rick we'll move on to the laval rocket who will be playing uh, their home games at the bell centers montreal Canadiens going to have some roommates they are Place Bell. Um, I, I I I see what the the uh, the Canadians are doing here uh, in in their negotiations with the Quebec government. Um, just in in terms of all of the measures that they have to to uh, meet as far as as uh, keeping the the facility uh, as sanitary as possible. Um, it was felt that uh, they can do that at one facility rather than two. Um, and, and well, let's say two rather than three, because we, we have Broussard practice facility yeah, too, Broussard. but rather than opening uh Place Bell and putting ice in there and having to, uh, deal with that, uh, that both the Canadians and Laval Rocket will play at, uh, the Bell Center for this season alone. And, and, uh, they said that, uh, uh, Laval will be returning to Place Bell, Place Bell next season. And we'll move on to our final piece of news here, which is uh, Carey Price wearing a mask designed to look like a biochemical or biomechanical skull uh, this season. Um, it's a it's a it's an interesting look, Rick. It's an interesting look. <laughs> well, we've seen uh, Carey Price in training camp wearing a, a plain white mask, and um, and yeah. and so why is that? Well, he's waiting uh, for his new mask and. Uh, we we first provided sneak peek images on our our uh, uh, All Habs Facebook account, uh, and then a, a video once it was finished, uh, and it has been finished and and shipped. It's a Calgary artist, Jordan uh, Bourgeau, uh, who put uh, more than 250 hours into uh, this extremely detailed mask. And yes, it's it's something completely different. Uh, let's say from uh, anything Carey Price has had in the past. Um, it's, um, it's that the, the inspiration behind it is, um, kind of a cyborg, uh, part machine, part, part man, uh, all of the, the, uh, combined, uh, knowledge and history of previous, uh, goaltenders in the Canadians organization are now wired in, uh, to the brain (laughs) 
of Carey Price. And if you study it, it's it's uh, odd or maybe strange, but this is all this is all Habs. Uh, if you look at the detail, uh, there's uh, the references to to um, Patrick Juan, Jacques Plant, Plant, and Ken Dryden. Uh, there's a, a goaltender power system that's been devised. There's a, a Vesna power indicator light uh, in the in the artist's uh, 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 drawing. Um, there's uh, Maurice Richard who appears in the in the the camera lens. Uh, um, it and and it's assumed that 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 uh, all of that knowledge of the the shots of Maurice uh, have been have been fed into the, to the, to the brain. Uh, there is a, and that camera system is called Habs, H dot A dot B dot S, uh, the Habitant archival blocking system, uh, that's been designed. Um, there is a PSI gauge on the side, uh, that stands for not what you think it's, it stands for percentage save indicator. And that's way beyond 900, uh, for Carey Price. <laughs> um, there's, uh, on the back plate, there's a made in Canada, both in French and English that has the 1910 Canadians logo on it. Uh, this thing is just, it's incredibly detailed and made to, to, uh, uh, respect and honor the the traditions of of and the history of the Montreal Canadiens, as well as put it into the future. Um, a masterful design, it, as it as as I said, it's it's something a little different. Other than that yeah. f- that face mask that uh, that he had for the outdoor game, this is uh, certainly different from uh, masks he's had before. Yeah, and as a result of that, we are we have the question of the week, the Canadians connection question of the week. Are you a fan of Carey Price's new mask? So we'll just put it out there and see what the responses are. But yeah, it's it's certainly an interesting design, and, and as you detailed, all the sort of connections there to the Habs. But yeah, it's it's a bit different from what Carey Price usually has. Usually, you see the big Montreal Canadiens logo somewhere on there, and of course, he's had sort of personal ties. You remember his rookie mask had Garth Brooks on the side of it, and uh, he had Live. Uh, written on one of them as well so yeah there have been personal ties this one is a very interesting uh, and very fun <laughs> design and it'll be interesting to see it in game action so rick we will take our first break here on the canadians connection podcast when we come back we're going to be taking a look at the habs newcomers and we will give our own projection of who might have the biggest impact on this season for the Montreal Canadiens. Stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. 
Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com. Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Joe Whalen. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Whalen19. And with me in studio is our president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Evans. You can follow him at All Habs on Twitter, and you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. Rick, uh, this is going to be a very fun second segment here on the Canadians Connection podcast. Is a big pick that we we sort of had on the table last week that we wanted to push back to this week um, because we knew that training camp was going to open. We were going to see these new additions in place, and wanted to ask the simple question: Well, which which Habs newcomer is going to make the biggest impact this season? And and we'll start with a clip uh, from Bergevin uh, describing the effect of his new additions. Based on our schedule, you know, I think Jake here is going to be a big plus. That's for sure. Bringing size up front with, uh, with, with, you know, what? Josh brings some, some, some size, some skill. Uh, Ty bring up some scoring touch, and we got the heady back there that gives you a presence with, with, you know, uh, with Romy coming in. Uh, I just, I just like our team. I mean, I, like I said I, I hope we stay. I mean, we'll have some guys getting banged up, but. I hope we don't get any major injuries where it was going to make our team a little weaker. If if we stay healthy, I really, really like our team. So which move does he like best? Well, he likes them all. <laughs> and and he should. Yeah. He, I mean, hey. he made them. <laughs> uh, but he described, yes. he described uh, you know, why he likes them. Josh Anderson for his size mm-hmm. and speed. Uh, Toffoli for his, uh, his scoring ability. Um, Eddie, uh, that's, uh, Joel Edmondson, um, that, uh, brings some size to the, to additional size to the back end. Uh, and, um, so for, for our, and, and he talked about Jake Allen as well. I, I thought that, um, you and I might, might, uh, both agree that, that Jake Allen could have the biggest impact. And when, when we're talking about impact, it's not necessarily, who's going to score the most points or goals or it's, it's going to be, who's going to be crucial to uh, taking the Habs to that next step. Uh, Jake Allen could very well be that. Uh, But we decided to focus this little uh, exercise on the skaters. Um, So, and in addition to the ones we mentioned, Josh Anderson, Tyler Toffoli, um, uh, Joel Edmondson, uh, Alexander Romanoff. We're going to add in there uh, the two late um, free agent additions, that being uh, Corey Perry and Michael Froelich. Uh, so, who, which, which of those players is going to have the biggest uh, impact on the uh, on the Canadian season? 
Well, I, I was torn between two. And in the end, I went with Josh Anthony based on some of the things that we've seen this week, based on some of the questions that have been coming out, some of which that we've played, uh, some of which that, you know, we've, we've seen made reference to with speed, with his shot, all of those things. And for me, I think when I think of Josh Anthony, he, he's like a five-tool player in baseball, right? Like, he has got all the tools that you could want for a guy to have. He's got the size. He's got the speed. He's got the shot. Somebody that has been seen been playing some empty kill as well for the Montreal Canadiens. going to be a presence on the power play. He just seems every – he could be that guy that you put in all situations and you know what you are going to get, and that's a huge thing for the Montreal Canadiens. And there's a couple of quotes here that, that I really liked. Uh, and it was Arpen Basu who tweeted it. It's, uh, it's really impressive how fast he is considering how big he is. Tyler Toffoli. Uh, you have Nizuki on his new I made. I didn't know how he, that he was that fast. And then there's this one that gave me an early the week. This was January 4th. I was going to send this to you, uh, but I decided to keep it for here because it's, a, it's John Liu, and he tweets that Anderson just ripped a wrist shot bar down on Price's stick side. Gallagher was grinning and nodding with approval. And that's those are the things that give me hope, specifically that last one, because we know, we know how hard it is for players to score on Carey Price in practice. He doesn't give up goals in, goals in practice. He doesn't give up goals all that much, anyway, especially not in practice. He's very locked in all the time. So the fact that Josh Anderson, I mean, might be showing that shoulder is doing quite all right right now, at least. Wait and see if uh, it holds up when there's a little bit more contact. But regardless, I really like what I have seen people say about Josh Anderson, what he has shown. And I think that when you follow the trajectory of what Josh Anderson was becoming before last year, and I understand the one goal in 20-ish games isn't very appealing and you sign into that contract, and you're thinking, what are the Montreal Canadiens doing? It's the trajectory before, where each year you started to see that he was becoming this that could reliably score goals, and the speed that he plays with, the body that he has. I mean, there's a lot to like about Josh Anderson, and I think that he is the guy that, more than just the goal scoring, as you said, it's it's gonna be it's gonna come down more than that. And I think that Josh Anderson has the tools to be the guy that contributes in multiple areas for the Montreal Canadiens that provides, you know, stability up in the position that you put him. I think that he is going to be some the Canadians can rely on. Um, but yeah, I think that for me, it's it's Josh Anderson. I, I was very close on on going with Tyler Toffoli, and I've been very uh, outspoken at how much I love that signing. As a bit of a as a bit of insurance policy for you, some goal scoring. But Josh Anderson, I mean, what's not to like about what you've seen people say, what teammates have said about Josh Anderson to this point? I, I think he's going to be the guy that you really see a impact in all over the ice for the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, I as I said to you um, prior to the show, um, if Josh Anderson stays healthy. It, it could easily be uh, Josh Anderson who has the biggest impact on the team. I, I think the only the only question mark is uh, is yeah. uh, whether he can make it through uh, 56 games and then through a, a long playoff run. And let's hope he does. Um, 
But if it's if it's the power play, we remember Josh Anderson doesn't have a lot of power play experience. Um, uh, if if it's if it's the uh, Canadians' power play can get uh, can get sparked and uh, can start making a difference in games, um, which they they need. It might be Tyler Toffoli that's that's who's the guy now. Um, you know, he his power play numbers are mar- modest uh, last year, um, but I, I I guess what I see there is. Uh, with uh, the Los Angeles Kings, his shooting percentage was at 11. percent It's not too bad, but it goes up to 16 percent uh, when he went to Vancouver. And if if he can start, uh, if Kakanami can take away some of the heat, and if uh, uh, Armia can can uh, provide the puck, Toffoli um, might be a, 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 a force five on five. And then when he gets uh, to the first power play unit, uh, he might be a, a difference maker. Um, you know, I, I said, uh, you know, if if uh, if the hockey operations staff is is uh, is on track, then maybe it's Alexander Romanov that uh, fills the yeah. void, and maybe he he comes through uh, with one of your prediction predictions, uh, your bold predictions, and that is that he makes it up to the first pairing yeah. by the end of the year with Shea Weber. Um, you know, it, is it Corey Perry? Is it Corey Perry and his influence on the uh, the the locker room and, and his ability to score a, a big crucial uh, goal um, there. It's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out, but uh, there's some, there's some real good choices here for the player that can uh, have the biggest impact. I think uh, between the, the ones that we've chosen, either Anderson and Toffoli, that's, that's the most likely scenario, but um, well, we'll see. Yeah. And the one thing, and I saw this when you sent, uh, when we were talking about this before the show, and the one thing that I noticed, and I hadn't before, <laughs> but I knew that they had acquired some guys that had won Stanley Cups, but you look at Jake Allen, Joel Edmondson, Tyler Toffoli, Corey Perry, Michael Froelich, five of the guys the Montreal Canadiens added this offseason, champions. So when you introduce that to your locker room, that type of mentality of guys that had been in that spot before who want back there again. That's, that's big for me. That's, I mean, it's not like you're adding, you know, Nick cousins from, from Arizona, <laughs> right. You're adding or from Philadelphia, wherever it was, he was coming from. You're adding this who have legitimately done this, that have been in those spots that have been in cultures. You're contributing to your culture by adding those guys to the mix. So for me, I, I just, I really like what, Mark Bergevin has done. There's a lot of different options as said of, of might be the biggest impact for the Montreal Canadiens this season. And yeah, I don't think you can go wrong with either of Josh Anderson and Tyler Toffoli, but look at it. Corey Perry. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, Corey Perry might be impactful in ways that we don't know based on what we're hearing about Corey Perry, right? Like there could be a contribution in the locker room that even though Corey Perry might be playing down in the lineup compared to where Josh Anderson and, and Tyler Toffoli are, you could get contributions from him that are, you know, incredibly valuable without even talking about what's happening on the ice. So there's just so many different ways, right? And Alexander Romanoff, as you said, yeah, he, he could guy that, that could be the biggest impact Montreal Canadiens. And if he emerges as being everything that we've heard, 
that he is from the Canadians Hockey Operations Department, as you said, uh, then, yeah, we'll be talking about Alexander Romanov at the end of the year. There's no doubt about that. Um, but, yeah, Rick, it's, it's a very exciting period of time for Montreal Canadiens with all these new faces in the mix, uh, guys that have won Stanley Cups, and uh, it, Mark Bergevin's excited about it, and so are we. <laughs> we sure are. So it'll be, a great, it'll be great to see this all get underway on January 13th and uh, get some uh, actual hockey to talk about. So, Rick, uh, we'll take a final break. Canadians Connection podcast. Stay with us on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag showyourhabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to showyourhabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. And welcome back to episode 118 of the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow at Hatchin on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and visit our website at canadiansconnection.com. So, Rick, just some reactions about the Carey Price mask. We asked the question of the week, are you a fan of Carey Price's new mask? And you can reach out on social media like some already have on the All Habs fan page. You, uh, the All Habs fan page on Facebook is uh, is a buzz uh, with a few, uh, well, many different <laughs> topics. Uh, there's uh, some some discussing the, uh, the the retro jersey nights, uh, some discussing the lineups. Uh, but we asked the question about uh, what Canadians fans thought about uh, Carey Price's new mask design, 
And if you haven't seen it yet, if you want to see the video that gives you a 360 view, go to uh, just search for All Habs, all one word on Facebook, uh, and you can um, uh, find the group, uh, 44,000 members strong, I believe, and and, uh, make sure you subscribe uh, so you don't miss a thing. Um, Kelly Delaney said, I hate the Montreal Canadiens, but that's a sweet mask. Uh, so, uh, even, even converting haters, uh, King Bradley, yeah. uh, before you get too excited, King Bradley said, no, thanks. Mask looks horrible. What am I watching? Tron? Um, Jeff Cote says it's a great mask to win the cup with. Uh, so we got really yeah. divided opinions here. Kenneth Griffith <laughs> says, uh, this is fantastic. What a great idea to put some old in with the new. Nice to see the respect in the lens. That's Maurice Richard. Uh, great job on the mask. Leanne Patterson Bradley says, I love this mask. Mitchell White says, easily the best mask in the league, hands down. Joy Kumanier says, wow, sweet. Um, Jill St. John says, awesome looking mask. I love it. Mike Clark says, ignore the people's negatives and haters. Love this mask. So awesome. If you're a hater or negative, uh, you're not a real Habs fan. All right. Um, <laughs> Deanne Reed Pellucci says, I hate this mask. I hope he's not going to wear it as it has nothing to do with the Montreal Canadiens. Actually, it has a lot to do, uh, Deanne. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Debbie Putnam, it's a cool mask, but this should not be worn when he's playing for the Montreal Canadiens. Okay. Um, Claude Maté says, I love this mask because it'll scare the competition right off. Uh, Thierry Gauthier said, it's just beautiful. Art Pollard said, the mask is bizarre. Nick Basilico said, it's insane. Mary Mitchell said, it's awful. Ron Middleton said, it's wicked. And Robert Boyer says, it's just sick. So there's some (laughs) of the comments, (laughs) including the short, sweet ones, uh, from the All Habs uh, official All Habs page on Facebook. Yeah, and you know it's it's it sort of felt there at the beginning, at the end of that, like it was sort of Statler and Waldorf where they were talking. Everyone <laughs> talking about, oh, I hated it. It was terrible. It was awful. Yeah, it's that's sort of the vibe that I got from that at the end. But regardless, yeah, it's a bit it's a bit of a divisive thing because it is a little bit of a different way to go about it for Carey Price and a different way to go about it with a, for a goaltender uh, to be wearing a mask like that. But, hey, I mean, you might as well be creative about it, right? That's that's one thing that I think you can appreciate is the creativity that went into this, the art design of this that was, that was tremendous. So uh, keep those responses change because – as someone alluded to, that's a great mask to win a Stanley Cup in. And if Carey Price ends up winning a Stanley Cup in that mask, I don't think anybody's going to be complaining about it. <laughs> I think everyone's going to remember that one quite fondly. <laughs> in a retro <laughs> blue jersey. Else, I think in a retro <laughs> blue jersey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> as with everything else, I think it's going to be dependent on how this season plays out for the Montreal Canadiens. I think the blue jerseys might be remembered fondly if they are a good team this year. And, and I think that they might be. Uh, this this is all today. Next week, we're actually going to have some Montreal Canadiens hockey game to talk about for the for the first time in what feels like forever. Uh, even though it was just the end of what the end of August that we that we were here talking about Montreal Canadiens playoff games, but we're going to be back discussing regular season games um, in Canada that are taking place in Canada in Toronto to start it off. 
It's and, it's going to be a great way to get it going. And make sure it's on your schedule. It should have been on your schedule. Uh, plan your parties. Uh, join us on yes. social media. Connect with us on Twitter. Connect with us on Facebook while you're watching the game. We love to hear from you. Um, and and uh, be sure to uh, tell your friends about this podcast because... Uh, and 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 we thank those who have. We've had uh, a thirty percent increase in downloads uh, in the last three months. It, it's been incredible. All of our our new listeners, and we really thank you for that. Uh, but the way you can help us is to subscribe first of all. Subscribe to the podcast. Share the podcast on your social media so your friends and followers see it. And then if you have a chance, just rate the, the podcast. It helps get more eyeballs uh, on on our posting so that uh, more people can listen to it, more Canadians fans can listen to it. And as uh, Joe said, uh, Wednesday night is going to be the the, uh, the season opener. Uh, the Canadians, Leafs, couldn't get better than that. And we'll be back next week to uh, to fill you all in. Absolutely. And we can't wait. So, Rick, we'll say goodbye for a week, or another week here on the Canadians Connection podcast. As you said, we'll be back next week uh, to inform, engage, and entertain some more. Thank you for tuning into the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens. Canadians.